And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. This morning, because Satan can sometimes blind the eyes of believers and non-believers, we begin with the admonition, do not be distracted from the cares of, by the cares of this world by wanting to become rich, or do not become distracted by removing our focus away from our first love. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. Money is not evil, it's neutral. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And Jesus said, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted about the cares of this world. Don't be distracted by the worries of this world. And in this verse particularly, don't be distracted by wanting to get rich. Distraction, distraction, distraction. So what are we saying? We're saying that for those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by faith, the great things, the values, the treasures of Jesus are hidden because Satan has blinded their eyes. They can't see. This is also saying that for the born-again Christian who is not seeing the wealth, the treasures, the value wrapped up in Jesus Christ, that oftentimes it's because of distraction from one's first love of Christ. And often in the West, in the evangelical church, a distraction that Satan uses is thus we are greedy and we want more stuff. Sometimes it seems to me that I can resemble spiritual ADHD. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. That I can't sit still with my Lord. I'm bouncing off the walls doing everything that I think I should do or other people think I should do. ADHD spiritually. Maybe you can relate. Back when the Twin Towers were attacked and they crumbled and so many lives were lost, I was listening like you to the news as the aftermath was being reported and something hit me that I wrote down all those years back and I saw this week as I was preparing this sermon, that when the towers came down, eventually it became clear to some people that there were millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of gold bullion underneath the rubble because the banks that were in the Twin Towers had the gold bullion. And do you know what they said? Those looking in the rubble will not bother to dig down to get the gold. It's a bit of a bother. I'm afraid that in my ADHD spiritual state at times that I don't bother to dig into this book for the gold that I know is there because I can't be bothered. Maybe you can relate. Jesus Christ is the supreme treasure. Jesus Christ is the ultimate wealth. You can't put a price on Jesus Christ. And that's why, when we come to grips with that, that's why we're prepared to do the agonizingly exhausting work of helping someone else to maturity in Christ. That's why we're willing to do it. 
Because we know when we give that person Jesus and all that he is in his lordship over their life, we can give them nothing more valuable. And that's why we do the agonizingly exhausting work as parents who still have children under our roof, of pointing them to God's word, of teaching them and modeling God's word for them, and admitting our failures and asking our kids forgiveness when we need to, because it's worth it. What more can a Christian parent give of greater value than Jesus to his child? Nothing. And so we're seeing in Colossians 2, verses 1 to 5, that this treasure of Jesus Christ largely is hidden to the satanically blinded non-Christian, but also it can be hidden to the born-again Christian who's like the seed that fell on the soil and didn't come to full fruit because of distractions, wanting to get rich and other distractions. Now... The fifth point this morning, how is it that we stop distraction from Jesus? How do we avoid distraction? Verses 4 and 5. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument, for even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see what? Rejoicing to see what? Rejoicing to see your good discipline and your stability of your faith in Christ. Paul was looking to the church at Colossae and rejoicing because in that church he saw real believers who had good discipline about Christ and the walk of Christ and had good stability about their faith in Jesus Christ. And these are the two things that will ward off distraction. Good discipline and spiritual walk. Good discipline and spiritual walk. Followed up with stability. Stability in our faith in Jesus Christ. Stability in our faith in who Jesus is and what he's done and what he plans for us found in his words. Stable faith in Christ. Good discipline and stable faith in Christ. Of course, in some regards, the uh, Arlington National Cemetery is always a, na- a national treasure every day of the year, but this weekend, I'm sure the number of guests that will go to uh, Arlington will be immense. Think about the good discipline. I just checked into this a little bit. The good discipline of the guards of the tomb of the unknown soldier there in that cemetery. They are from the United States Army's 3rd Infantry Regiment. They confront people who cross the barriers at the tomb or who are at disrespectful noises. They carry M14 rifles which are unloaded and affixed to ceremonial rifle stocks, which are handmade by the tomb guards. These rifles are cleaned daily and kept ready for use at all times. The guards have a meticulous routine at the tomb. They march 21 steps south down a black mat laid across the tomb. The guard then turns and faces east toward the tomb for 21 seconds turns and faces north, changes weapon to outer shoulder, and waits 21 seconds, marches 21 steps down the mat, turns and faces east for 21 seconds, turns and faces south, changes the weapon to the outside shoulder, and waits 21 seconds, repeats the routine until the soldier is relieved of duty at the changing of the guard. At each of the turns, the guard executes a sharp shoulder arms movement to place the weapon on the shoulder closest to the visitors to signify that the guard stands between the tomb and any possible threat. 
21 was chosen because it symbolizes the highest military honor that can be bestowed, the 21-gun salute. During the summer months, the guard is changed every half hour. During the winter months, every hour. The guard change is very symbolic, but also it's conducted in accordance with Army regulations. The relief commander or assistant relief commander, along with the oncoming guard, are both required for a guard to change to take place. The guard being relieved will say to the oncoming guard, post and orders remain as directed. The oncoming guard's response is always, orders acknowledged. Verse 5. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline. And now, today's personal God story. We've been talking about God stories uh, almost every radio program. What we mean by a God story is someone in their own words reflecting on what the Lord has done in their lives uh, to save them from sin in Christ or to help them to advance in their understanding of uh, Jesus and his Lordship. And so when we say God's story, we, we mean uh, someone's own account of how the Lord has made a huge difference in their lives. This morning, I'm very pleased to introduce you to a Chinese national who now lives in the Bahamas. His name is Stephen, and Stephen has an incredible God story that we are excited to share with you as listeners. His story is rather lengthy, but full of wonderful, encouraging reports of what God has done in his life. Actually, this God story by Stephen will be in four parts. And so this morning, we're going to start with part one. Uh, listen carefully to see God's uh, signature over this young Chinese national's life, the man named Stephen. Well, I am really happy this morning to have uh, my friend Stephen in the radio studio. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm good. I'm good. Very good. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, Stephen, tell our listeners what country you're from. I came from China. And um, how long have you been in the Bahamas? Around a year. And what brought you to the Bahamas? Was it school or work or something else? A job at uh, that construction site, Bahamar. Oh. Yeah. And uh, what were you doing at Bahamar? I was doing translating and uh, some basic human resource management. Very interesting. So you were able to use your first language of Chinese. Yeah. And your second language of English. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's great. Um, Stephen, when you were back in China as a younger person, uh, what kind of outlooks did you have back then? Well, back in China, like, there had been two questions that uh, kept haunting me like nightmares for many years. And uh, I had been searching answers to them for a long time. Uh, the first one was like the meaning of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't figure out the meaning of lives, you know, considering I spent 80% of my lifetime suffering in pain, headaches, uh, unhappiness and worries. Why was I sent to this earth? Um, who did it? 
for what purpose and、uh, just to have us suffer or anything. I just couldn't figure out. And the second question is that、uh, why so many people spend their whole lives chasing after wealth and fame, with means that、uh, is immoral, you know. I mean, if not illegal, but、uh, actually they could.、Uh, I mean, all they need is a bed, the size of their body.、Mm-hmm. So why would they do that? And they are so crazy about that. I mean, after they pass away, they cannot take any of that with them. So the society is brimming with greedy. Never-ending desire, lust, and materialism—that、uh, I don't really want to be part of it. Right. So you're very articulate, although English is your second language. And、um, what I'm hearing you say, Stephen, is that you had lots of pain and questions、yeah. in China growing up,、mm-hmm. but but you had no answers. Yeah, exactly. And.、Um, Did you have any other thoughts that we didn't get to yet when you were in China? Yeah, I mean, I、uh, I don't know about people in other countries, but、uh, in China, I could say there's there's barely love among people. They are different. They are indifferent. They are cold-hearted. All their relationships are based on money,、hmm. like like、uh, marriage, like friendship. Like、uh, Korea, yeah. If you want to get promoted, you have to know someone. You have to give out money or something, something like that. That's interesting. So you're saying that in China, it it all really is self-serving love. Yeah, self-centered. Self-centered love. Yeah. Which is, of course. The exact opposite of Jesus' kind of love. Yeah,、mm-hmm. you know,、uh, I graduated in 2012, and、uh, up until that point, I had I had really made some academic achievement, and I think I could have had a career and started a family.、Mm-hmm. You know, owned my own my my own house and car, and living a A Chinese version of American dream.、Mm-hmm. You know, I could do that, but for many years, I had tasted the temporariness of joy and transitoriness of sense of fulfillment. Say that again, please. I want to be sure our listeners hear you. Okay, I had tasted the temporariness of joy, the temporariness of joy, and transitoriness. Of sense of fulfillment and the transitoriness of a sense of fulfillment. Yeah, meaning that these things、uh, are only passing for a short time. Yeah, it's、mm-hmm. like flash in the pan. Flash in the pan.、Mm-hmm. Okay. So after the dust settled, all I had in my heart were emptiness and vanity. Yeah, yeah because、like、the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, because I was never truly happy.、Mm. I think fi- that's the that's the reason I figured later, you know, because I I was never truly happy.、Mm. Okay. So even though you had academic achievement yeah, and、exactly. the prospect of a of a comfortable life materially, you really never felt happiness. Hmm. 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 
and I, I can find out the real reason for me to keep moving on with my life.、Mm-hmm. So, in my darkest time, I,、uh, I even tended to be suicidal. So, in your darkest times,、yeah. you felt like you might want to、mm-hmm. end your own life? Yeah, exactly. That must have been a very grim and、uh, heavy yeah. time for yeah, you. Yeah, it was a,、uh, a painful process searching for answers. As you can see, God has moved in a marvelous way in Stephen's life. And it reminds me of Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 16 and verse, through verse 34. This is the account of the Apostle Paul's ministry first at Thessalonica and then at Berea and then ultimately in Athens. And listen to God's word at Acts 17, beginning at verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him, and he was beholding the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. And some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they Took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. We want to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. And Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God. If perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Being then the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. But others said, We shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also was Diogenes, the Aragabite, 
and a woman named Damaris and others with them. And now, Help for the Hurting, with the director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Again, thank you for having us in your homes again this morning. We left off last week talking about decisions that we need to make when we are going to be honest with our spouses or whoever it is that we might be dealing with. And of course, uh, what we need to make sure happen. This morning, I'd like us to look again, Helen, at the fact that we need to make sure that we are not passive aggressive when we are telling the truth. Okay, the point with being passive-aggressive, if you're going to reveal the truth is, you might choose to say, let's go to dinner. And you and your friend or your husband or whoever it is, at this candlelight dinner, really in this lovely setting, and then all along you know your whole agenda was to bring this person here to reveal this deep, dark, ugly secret. That's passive-aggressive. Because the person is thinking, I'm out for the evening, this is a date or this is a time we were planning for a couple of weeks, and here it is, I'm here to enjoy the evening, and then this ugly truth is disclosed. So the evening is... Ruined. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's passive-aggressive behavior. Why take someone to a candlelight dinner... Or on a cruise and then say the marriage is over. Or all along I told you uh, I was only married twice and this is your third marriage. And people might think this is all um, jokes, or, but this really happens. And so it, it really, really can cause a person to socially cut themselves off after that because they say all along I live with you or I thought you were really honest with me, and here it is, this is disclosed. Okay, so it's important then for us to plan what we will be talking about if we went on this dinner date in advance. And uh, in many cases, we try to encourage clients not to deal with issues that could ruin the evening. No, no, no. Don't use that evening to wash linens. You can stay in your home or you can wait till you go to your therapy session and take care of your linens there. But why choose a lovely evening when one of us is thinking this is a great evening, here I am looking at the ocean and then this basket of mess is thrown at me. That, that's not fair. That's really passive-aggressive behavior. In other words, we, we are going to need to determine how we are going to go about starting the conversation because sometimes that is one of the more difficult things to do because if, if you have unresolved issues, in many cases, all that is going on in your mind is, boy, I wish I could express myself at this time. 
about how I really feel. But you, you really need to think about how you're going to start a conversation and have a good evening without ruining it. You want to speak to that? Yes, um, you could ask your partner or your friend to be open to listen in an active way. Then you can assure them that, you know, you will be brutally honest. But instead of uh, trying to formulate in your mind what they're going to say, that's not going to work. If you're here to be honest, you need to just speak the truth and speak it in love. And another thing we need to do is, of course, we need to take responsibility for whatever you have done. In other words, if I have done whatever wrong it is, I need to be willing to take the responsibility uh, for what I have done. You want to speak to that? Yeah, I, I think um, not passing the buck and blaming someone else. If you have failed, if you have gone astray, say, yes, I am responsible. This is what I have done. I need to work on myself. I need to ask forgiveness and not try and pass it off and say, if you had done whatever you have done, I wouldn't have been here. Because we have to realize that marriage or any relationship is, we have to remember that the best relationship is one in which you love each other, not just for what you can get, but you respect and honor that person. I can appreciate that. But do we have any other options? Suppose I don't want to talk about it or I'm not comfortable talking to you. Is there any other option? I think I, I need to be sensitive. Oh, all right. I don't just decide to badger you or interrogate you like a police officer. I should be sensitive. I should ask you if we could discuss it or when can we discuss it. And if you decide um, I need some more time to process it, honor that. Okay. Thank you very much again for being with us this morning. And I pray that you will have a God-blessed day. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.